Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Uh, we are launching a new series called Superhuman. Uh, you saw the video of a guy named uh, Charles Spurgeon, a great leader in the Christian faith. Uh, we're going to be tying the recent Christian history back to the past because we're reading through the Bible together this year. And we're just wrapping up the first five books of the Bible. And this week, we're going to launch out on a new series where we're talking about superhuman leaders. The first leader we got is Moses. We're going to be talking about Moses today. If you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and pull them out. We're going to launch out of Exodus. Now, we're trying to preach through whatever we walked through in the week before, uh, but sometimes, like as we're talking about Moses, I mean, Moses goes from, from Exodus all the way through Deuteronomy. And so it's a, it's a lot of story. Matter of fact, Moses wrote down and gave us Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So a lot to be uh, received there from Moses and his teachings. And so I just thought we'd just talk about Moses and some things that I see in Moses when I read about Moses and, and things that inspire me about Moses in the Bible and as they apply to us. So let's go, Lord, in prayer and invite God to speak to us as we jump in. Lord, I thank you for everybody coming out today, Lord. We thank you for this week. We thank you for the beautiful sunshine. We thank you, God, for the gift of freedom that we have. We pray for those in Ukraine right now and Russia, God. There's so much going on and turmoil and, and warfare. And God, we just pray that the Christian church would continue to rise up and support the, the refugees like they're doing and continue to minister to them and love on them. And Lord, we just ask uh, that you would end the war and that you would take what Satan would mean for evil and that you would use it to bring about a great awakening in that area where people would be drawn to Jesus. We pray that in your name, for your sake. Amen. All right. Uh, you got your uh, Bibles. We're going to launch out here in Exodus chapter 4. And the first thing we're going to talk about is how Moses was the reluctant liberator. You know, sometimes when I read about leaders in the Bible, I think they were just born to lead. That they were just born and boom, as they came out of the womb, they knew exactly what to say, exactly how to say it. They were great speakers and people just wanted to follow them. But what you'll realize as we go through these next several books that that wasn't always the case. And truth is, it was seldom the case. And Moses was just that same way. If you've been reading with us and uh, tracking along, you'll remember that Moses was born of uh, a Hebrew woman in a time when the Egyptians were trying to kill all the Hebrews. So she put him in a little reed basket and sent him down the River and it just so happened, which means God planned it from the beginning of time, that Pharaoh's daughter found Moses and raised him as her own. Moses, for the first 40 years of his life, was somebody very important. He was someone with power, someone who could lead, someone who was given privilege, 
but accomplished nothing more than becoming a murderer. The next 40 years that we see, God calls Moses, uh, is at the end of 40 years of living in the desert when Moses thought he was nobody and was just living there, existing. And in the last 40 years of his life, God calls Moses into leadership to lead his people out of, out of complete slavery. So we're going to kind of try to fit all that into one sermon. So go ahead and just call and cancel the third service because we got a lot to talk about, okay? All right, Exodus chapter 4, starting in verse 10. Says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Now, this is when Moses is getting called to be the leader of Israel and to set the people free. This is Moses' pushback on God. Verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. Let's pause there for just a minute. How many of you have an excuse in your back pocket for whenever God calls on you to do something? Anybody got one? I mean, you know, Lord, I'm just too busy. Oh, Lord, I, I know you got something for me, but Lord, I'm just too busy right now. I got a job. I got a family. I got this. And, and you pull out the too busy card. Or, or maybe it's the I'm not adequate. Lord, I'm just not a good enough leader. You need to pick somebody who's a good leader to do that, God, because that's just not me. I, I, I'm not good in front of people. I can't lead that well, that many people. You pull out that card. Or maybe you pull out the card of you're just not ready. Give me more time, God. I've only been a Christian for 47 years. I, I really need some more time to prepare myself to do what you're calling me to do. And you pull out the, I'm not, not ready yet. Whatever card it is, Moses' card that he pulled out was, I'm not a good speaker. I get tongue-tied. Now, for me, that was my card. As I grew up in first and second grade, they called me Elmer Fudd because I had a real bad speech impediment. And I couldn't say my R's, and so my R's were really L's, and so I'd say, Let's, look, there's a bud. And the kids would laugh at me, and so I got called Elmer Fudd. And that followed me through high school. I was about a junior in high school. I went door-to-door -door selling these Christmas bells, and you'd ring them, and I don't know. It was just some way to make money for the chemistry club. And I'd go door-to-door -door during homecoming and try to sell these bells. And I remember going to one of my classes, and the coach who was there for homecoming invited me in, and I said, I'd like to sell everybody some Mary bells. And the coach, I know it's hard to know, can you laugh at that or not? You know, it's kind of sensitive. It's okay. I'm better now. I've been through therapy. But, but it was like, I want to sell some Mary bells. And the coach is like, oh, Mary Bells. And he said it really loud with my speech impediment. And the class just burst out laughing. And I just wanted to find a hole to crawl in. And so from that point forward, I was like, I can't, I can't talk. And, and I was, that was my excuse. It was in my back pocket. It was, it was ready to come out whenever God said, okay, Steve, I want you to lead a Bible study. I want you to do something. I could pull out my excuse. But when God calls you, then he, he can equip you, right? If God calls you, he can do whatever he needs to do to make it effective. And in verse 11, that's what God's answer is to Moses. It's almost funny to me. So Moses tells God, no. 
in essence, and God comes back in verse 11 and says, then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people can speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. Can you imagine Moses saying, no, the creator of the universe saying, well, my problem is I got a speech impediment. The Lord's like, hello, I created your mouth. I created your voice. I can handle this. And then Moses goes to his next excuse, right? Uh, now verse 13, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. He's like, I don't care who God, just not me. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother Aaron, the, the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he is on his way to meet you right now. He will be delighted to, to see you. In other words, I knew you're going to make these excuses, so I've already got Aaron. He's almost here right now, and you're going to do this together. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what you do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. When God guides, God provides. Say that with me. When God guides, God provides. That's something somebody said years ago, and it stuck in my head, and it's true. If God is speaking to you about doing something for him, if he's guiding you to do that, then he will provide the means and the ability to make it happen. So for each one of us in here, I believe God wants to speak to you about something he wants you to do. Now, it could be something simple. It could be literally something as simple as getting up early and fixing your wife a cup of coffee tomorrow just to let her know you love her. It could be something simple, as, as simple as as writing a letter to someone that meant a lot to you and really poured into you and encouraged you as a, as a young person and just writing a letter and letting them know what an impact they made in your life. But when the Spirit of God speaks to you, the question is, will you be like Moses was at first, the reluctant leader, or will you be the willing leader? Thankfully, we have Christ to contrast Moses with, who was the willing leader who said he goes to lay down his life for us. And he went on to say he does it willingly, not reluctantly. So this morning, I just ask you, are you the reluctant Christian or are you the willing Christian? Are you the reluctant leader or are you the willing leader? Do you have that excuse in your back pocket that you like to pull out whenever you need it? Or are you willing to leave that excuse in your pocket and say, Lord, if you'll guide and you'll provide, I'll say yes. And you know he can and he will. Second thing about Moses we can see is he was a frustrated follower. You ever had a job where you said, man, this job would be great if it wasn't for the people? You ever said that? <laughs> it's like sometimes... People can drag you down. And the people that Moses led out of Egypt, boy, they had a pattern of 
pulling Moses down, being the negative voice in the room. So much so that there are multiple times we've read over the last couple of weeks where they go to Moses and go, hey, we want to go back to Egypt. It was so much better there. They were slaves, treated brutally. But if we're not careful, we can romanticize the past. Amen? You know, oh, I wish I could go back to my first girlfriend, my first boyfriend. They were so polite. They dumped you. Yeah, but they were so polite. Oh, I wish I could go back to that first job. You hated that job. Yeah, but at least I felt like I was making a difference. It's like we romanticize the past and we can become whiners about the present. So the people here frustrated Moses. Let's look at Numbers chapter 11, verse 11. Moses says to the Lord, why are you treating me, your servant, so harshly? Have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of these people? Did I give birth to them? Did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat with all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give me meat to eat. Give me meat to eat. Make gas $2.19 again. Anybody whined about that this week? I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Now, have you been to that low point where you're like, man, it's just not worth fighting the fight anymore. Let, Lord, just take my life now. Let it end. I give up. I got the white flag. I'm tired of trying. Nobody else seems to be trying as hard as I am. Nobody else seems to care. Nobody else is trying. I just want to give up. You ever been there where you're waving that white flag? That's where Moses was. Now, it encourages me because Moses was an incredible leader. He did amazing things for God. He wrote five books in the Old Testament. He wrote these first five books down for us, and yet even he can struggle being a whiner at times. So you know what that tells me? He can use anybody in this room, myself included, because God's the one that, that empowers. God's the one that strengthens. God's the one that does the work through us. So he was a frustrated follower at times. Now, Christ taught us that we could do all things through Christ, that through Christ Jesus, when he, when he leads us, he can provide all the tools and all the things we need to accomplish the will of God. But on our own, in our own strength, you can't pass that class at Tech. You can't get that promotion. You can't raise a family with a lack of knowledge that you have. You can't be a good mom or dad. You can't, you fill out the blank, whatever the devil's throwing at you this week, right? Whatever you're beating yourself down or somebody else beating you down with. But through Christ, all things are possible. And so I just encourage you, instead of being a frustrated follower, just realize you're called to depend on him. And the third, third thing we can take from Moses, he was a criticized leader. 
everybody wasn't happy with his leadership. Can you believe that? I mean, this is Moses we're talking about. This guy was a genius, kind of like Spurgeon, the, uh, the little short video you saw, who was a great leader of the earth church in England and his leadership carries on today. People quote Spurgeon all the time. He was a prolific writer, but not everybody likes Spurgeon either. I was reading some stuff about him this week. It was interesting. He, uh, he definitely had his share of critics and Moses did too. If you're going to lead, you're not going to make everybody happy all the time. Amen. And if you're going to lead well, you're not going to make a lot of people happy a lot of the time. Because to lead well, you have to push people to what's the best plan. And so many of us want to settle for what's the best plan for me. You know, there's a difference, right? What's best for Steve Taboo may not be best for 95% of the people in the room. But if it's best for me, I might just want to vote for that without taking others into consideration. So Moses was a criticized leader. Numbers 12, one through three, says this. While they were at Hazarmoth, Miriam and Aaron, this is his own sister and brother. So Miriam and Aaron criticized Moses because he'd married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. Now verse three. Now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. Anybody know who wrote that verse? Moses. <laughs> when, I, when I read that, I was like, how do you write that about yourself? Moses, Aaron, and, uh, and Miriam were causing trouble. But Moses was the most humble guy on earth. You know, it's like, I, I, it's, it's inspired, so it must have been true. But I just think it's funny that Moses is writing that at the time, right? But Moses is coming up against opposition in his leadership. His own sister and his own brother are opposing what he's trying to do. They're coming against him, and it's about his wife. Apparently, they were unhappy with his wife. Now, we don't know. I, 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 just, I always thought it was a second wife. I always thought he remarried, although it never says that. I just thought it was, but one of the authors said it could have been that, that uh, his wife, Zipporah, that her mom may have been from Cush, and so maybe she was uh, part Cush, and so therefore they're referring to Zipporah herself. Either way, they weren't happy with Moses' wife, so they're complaining. Sometimes it may not be about you. Sometimes you may do everything right, but your spouse or your kids or your parents you're still dealing with the repercussions of their decisions as well. Just know, if you're going to be a great leader, you're going to have pain and opposition in this world. Uh, Craig Groeschel, a pastor that is a great leader, gave a speech on this one time. He said, the level of your leadership will only be hindered by your threshold of pain that you can handle. The more people you lead, the more people that are going to be that have opinions about your leadership. Is that true? The harder decisions you're entrusted with make it even harder to please everybody. And if you've been put in leadership more and more, maybe in your, in your position at work, 
I remember talking to a guy one time, and he said, man, it's so hard to raise, raise somebody and give them a promotion within his business because if they start out as peers and they're all friends together, then they're goofing off with each other from time to time. Then all of a sudden they become the boss and now they start trying to tell the other co-workers how not to goof off because they're not supposed to because now they're the boss and all of a sudden those friendships begin to dissolve. Does that make sense? So what if we decided to lead and we decide to lead for God and God alone? Would we really be able to not even listen to the criticism chirping in our ears? I think we should always listen for those who disagree with us and bring all those critiques before the Lord in prayer and put them before the Lord in prayer because sometimes we're wrong, right? There are times that Moses was wrong. He didn't get to go into the promised land because at least one time in his life, he was wrong. And so, leaders, I want to challenge you. You may be being criticized because you're wrong, but you may also be being criticized because you're right. Go to the Lord and ask him. Seek wise counsel and move forward as God gives you the strength to do so. Skip to number four there. Moses was also a godly teacher. As I said, we have these books. They're written, thankfully, because of Moses. And some of you may have been continuing with us and struggling. Anybody, did anybody read this and, and say, man, this book of Leviticus and Numbers, those are my favorite books in the Bible. Did anybody come away with that? I mean, like, if I hear about one more grain offering, you know what I'm saying? And one more killing of the of the lamb and where you put the blood and whew, there's just a lot of that going on, right? And yet there's so much wisdom in these books because God is setting up a nation of righteousness that will reflect him. And so these rules he's giving them are very detailed down to everyday life. And some of them are genius. Did you know God had an unemployment program? Look at this here in uh, Leviticus 19, 9, and 10. This is God's unemployment program. In verse 9, it says, When you harvest the crops of your land, do not harvest the grain along the edges of your fields, and do not pick up what the harvesters drop. It is the same with every grape crop. Do not strip every last bunch of grapes from the vines, and do not pick up the grapes that fall to the ground. Leave them for the poor and the foreigners living among you. I, the Lord, am your God. God had a brilliant unemployment program. It didn't require taxes. It didn't require everybody sending money into a central bank. It was simple. Those of you that own land, you do your normal work of, of harvesting your fields, but whatever falls to the ground, don't pick it back up. And whatever you miss, don't go back a second time and double harvest. Leave it for those who have nothing. Now, what's interesting about this unemployment program, it's done what we've never been able to accomplish here. It requires work. 
It's not just a handout, is it? They actually, if they were hungry, they had to go out and work for the food. But it was there for them if they needed it. God built this compassion into the nation. And it wasn't just that. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, verse 16. He built this greatest, greatest network in the history of the world. It's called the family. And God gave multiple instructions on the family. Uh, Deuteronomy 5, 16 says this. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long, full life in the land your God is giving you. What a great teaching. Honor your father and mother. Now, other places that tell them to obey their mom and dad, what's the difference? Well, when you're in your home, teenagers, children, when you're living in your parents' home, you're called to obey mom and dad. They tell you to go rake the yard and you don't want to go rake the yard. God says, obey mom and dad, go rake the yard. And, but when you get out of the home, you're called to honor your father and mother. Doesn't mean you have to obey them anymore. They, they have released that authority as you have moved out on your own to be your own family. But what does it mean to honor your father and mother? I feel like we're struggling with that in our nation. I, I want to challenge you that God calls us to esteem those who are older than us to respect them and honor them. And you know the greatest way you can honor your mom and your dad and your grandma and your grandpa? Spelt T-I-M-E. That's the greatest thing they want. To hear your voice, a phone call, a visit, intentional photographs sent, whatever that looks like. We wrestle with the fact that we get so busy in our culture that we push out too many people that we should be keeping in. Now, maybe your mom and dad weren't the greatest parents. I'm confident in this room we have people that had parents that weren't great parents. So what is it that you can honor your mom and dad for? Think of that. And when people ask you about your parents, just remind them of that. There's a lot of things my mom and dad did so well and I'm so grateful for that I can brag on that all the time. Were there things they could have done differently? Sure, but as a dad, let me tell you, are there things I look back on that I go, oh man, I could have done that better, right? There are no perfect people. There are no perfect parents. There are no perfect grandparents. So in good or bad, we honor now, sometimes that's harder, right? As my mom got older, uh, her dementia got worse, and she couldn't remember names. She couldn't remember the story she told. And sometimes she would tell the same story multiple times in the same sitting at the dinner table. And in my mind, I'm thinking, oh, no, she needs to know she's already told this story. And yet, as others poured wisdom into me, I learned that to honor my mom, I need to just listen. And maybe she needs to tell that story a fourth time at the dinner table because maybe I didn't pick up on it the first three. Or maybe she just wants to communicate and that's all that can come to her mind because of the disease. 
Either way, it's my responsibility as a son to listen and honor and care. Some of you have difficult parents that every time you call, it's nothing but negative. And every time you call, it's, why don't you call more often? You never spend enough time. You never can meet all their needs. And that's true. And I'm not asking you to wear yourself out trying. I don't think that's healthy either. But I believe there's a way to honor our mother and father that honors God, that honors them. And God calls us to do that. Moses was a great teacher, teaching how society lives, teaching how government should be. By the way, did you know that the most quoted book when the early founders were trying to frame our constitution and laws as a nation, if you go back and you uh, review the documents, the most quoted book in all that is the Bible. And the most quoted book out of the Bible they quoted was the book of Deuteronomy. And so much of the way our government was set up came out of these last couple books that we read as God set up the nation of Israel. A lot of wisdom in there. Well, the last thing I want you to see about Moses is that he was a passionate intercessor. Multiple times throughout these scriptures, we see this pattern. And the pattern is this. The people rebel. God's tired of it. He goes to Moses and says, we're done. And Moses falls on his face and prays to God that God would forgive the people. If you got your Bibles, turn with me uh, to the book of Numbers chapter 16, verse 20 to 24. Numbers 16, 20 to 24. I'm going to skip number 14. You can go back to that and read if you have time. There's 24 verses. In number 16, starting verse 20, it says this. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, get away from all these people so that I may instantly destroy them. The Lord was a little upset. But Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground. Oh God, they pleaded, you are the God who gives breath to all creatures. Must you be angry with all the people when only one man sins? And the Lord said to Moses, then tell the people to get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. What did Moses and Aaron do? They fell on their face before God and cried out for the people. On this stage right here are our names of probably over a 1,000 people, I would say for sure, of people that we're praying for and interceding for, that God would capture their hearts and love them. And listen, your, main, your name may be on this, on this stage, right? If so, be thankful there's someone that's praying for you daily. And as an intercessor, I want to challenge you to pray those names out loud before God every day. Every day, pray the names of the people you love out loud before God and cry out to them for God's will to be done in their life. The Lord loves them more than you and I love them. The Lord has a plan for them more than you and I have a plan for them. 
But we need to be willing to call those names out before God and say, Lord, I pray for my children and call their names out. Lord, I pray for my parents, call their names out. I pray for my cousins. I pray for my, my coworkers and pray those names before God, asking that God would capture their hearts and draw them to his love. Because God is a God of love. If you've been reading through this, you see the mercy and the grace that God keeps pouring out. Some of you may love to intercede. This may be your ministry. You may say, Steve, I love to pray for people. If that's your case, put that on your card today and fill that out because we have a ministry. We have people praying during every service. While we're out here, we've got people back in the back and they are praying for the service. They're interceding for everybody in this room, asking God to till the hearts and draw people to, to himself. God gives us this opportunity to pray for people. It's a gift. And he loves us. Well, the last thing I want to share isn't, isn't on your listening guide. Jot this passage down. Deuteronomy 34, verse 5 and 6. And I'll, I'll close with this. I, I struggled with the fact that Moses didn't get to go in the promised land. Anybody else reading this struggle with that? Just a couple of you. It's like he did all this for God, and he messes up one time. At least it seems like just one time. And then God doesn't let him go into promised land. And then if you read about it, it says he, Moses, at 120 years, climbs to this top of this mountain. And then at 120 years old, at the command or the word of the Lord, Moses died, and then God buried him. And I struggled with that when, as a new Christian. The first couple of times I read this, I was like, Ah, Lord, that just, that just doesn't sound right. And I can't remember what translation it was. It said at the command of God, Moses died, but I thought it was like an execution, you know? A lot of the translation now say by the word of the Lord, but I want to give you a different perspective. One of my best professors I had at seminary, his name was Dr. Tong. Dr. Tong was, um, I think about 140 years when I took his class. He studied the Bible all his life. He's a, a wealth of knowledge, loved the Hebrew language. Oh, he was so knowledgeable. And Dr. Tong got to this passage, and he was so excited. It was funny. Literally, I, I think he was in his 80s when he taught the class. But he got to this passage. Oh, I want you to see this is so rich. This is so rich. Everybody read this with me. This is so rich. And I remember when he read that passage, I was, I was kind of angry. Because I was like, why is this rich? Because I've always disliked this passage that Moses died by the word of the Lord. And I was always disappointed in that passage. He goes, listen. He said, here's what you need to see. Most translations, he said, I think missed what God is trying to say here. I'm like, okay. He says, uh, let me read it to you. Verse five and six says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. So some say just as the Lord had said. Some say by the word of the Lord. Some say by the command of the Lord. And then verse 6, the Lord buried him in the valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day no one knows the exact place. Dr. Tong said, young men and women, he said that word is not by the command of God or the, the word of God. He said that the literal Hebrew word is by the mouth of God. He said, and we translate that by the word of the Lord mostly. 
He said, but that word is literal, it is mouth. And he said, I believe with all my heart that if you take Jewish culture into understanding, it'll be a different meaning altogether. He said the, the Jewish people would greet each other with a kiss with those that they love, right? They kiss them on the cheek. And it's just like us, when we kiss someone as they're dying, we kiss them on the forehead. Or someone we, we love, that maybe it's older or younger, we kiss them on the forehead. It is a, a kiss of love, a, of great uh, compassion. He said this word mouth, he believes, was God kissed Moses and then laid him to rest. And God himself carried him and buried him in a manner of honor. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I was like, ah, oh, I needed to hear that. And I, because that matches up with the love that he had for Moses all along. I mean, he spent 40 days on the mountain just talking with Moses and Moses talking with him. How do you do that 40 days with one person? Right? Because he's God. Would have loved to have been there for just a day of it. Here's what I want you to know today. God loves you. And you've messed up, as we all have. But God wants to forgive you and use you mightily. He wants to, to bless you and strengthen you and restore you. But we've got to quit putting those excuses out on the table. We've got to put them back in our pocket. I'm going to ask Eli to come. He's going to come out and, and lead us in a song. And as he leads us in the song, I, I want us to ask the question, is there something in our life that we've said no to God about because we pulled our excuse out? Is there something that we're holding out on God because of that? Or maybe for you, have you ever really experienced that love of the Lord? Have you ever experienced God that says, I'm for you, not against you? Have you ever committed your life to Christ? To do so, we've got to reject our sin. We've got to reject our failures. And we've got to embrace Christ and call out to him to rescue us from our sin. To embrace us and give us that kiss and follow him. Would you stand with me? The way we do it. Here at the river is on my left side over here is the place where you can come and intercede for anybody or anything. It's just you and Jesus, and we, we won't bother you. We won't speak to you. This is just a place for you to come and pray by yourself to be alone with God. Over here to the right is a place where if you come and you want, that's saying that you want someone to pray over you, to pray with you, to encourage you. If that's what God's doing in your life and you'd like somebody to do that, then come and have someone pray with you. In the back, to my left, we have a prayer room. In that prayer room is a place that maybe you just need to talk to somebody about something you're going through. You need that word of encouragement, word of strength. Then go back there and let the couple pray with you and love on you. And then up front, I'll be here. And if you've never given your life to following Jesus, he is the greatest leader ever. And he wants to lead you in a life of faith, peace, and love. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there.
Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings, as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.